Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave tech you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. Get your first month for only five bucks with free shipping. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash crystal, K-R-I-S-T-O-L. Speaking of which, the man himself, Bill Crystal here in the studio. And the only question to ask is, did Donald Trump really call James Comey a nutcase? Did he really say it to the Russians? And did he really say it in front of somebody who he knew was taking notes that would then be available for people to see? Yeah, I do wonder if President Trump realizes that the way these meetings are set up, those other people who are, whom he doesn't quite know who they are, who is sitting along the side, uh, a couple he knows who they are, the Secretary of State, his National Security Advisor, but then there are a couple of faithless types right. who are scribbling away. They're called note-takers, usually, <laughs> in, in diplomatic meetings. They usually work at the National Security Council or the State Department. And their job, which is important, mm-hmm. is to record what is said at the meeting. So when there are later discussions about uh, agreements that have been reached or disagreements that should now be argued out, people can say, well, here's what our president said, or here's what our foreign minister said. Yeah, it's interesting that, that if that got leaked from the White House, I guess. It's a White House document, yeah. according to the New York Times. It and is not generally, though, prudent. I would say if presidents should not be telling foreign leaders, foreign ministers of an adversarial country, their own opinions of the previous FBI director or the current FBI director or investigations going on within our country. Trump does not have the usual guardrails about what you say in a meeting with a foreign leader, what you say in other meetings. Uh, he, well, he pulling Comey into that one-on-one meeting mm-hmm. uh, back in February. I mean, someone like me who worked in a White House, it was a long time ago, a very different White House, George H.W. Bush. It's really astonishing, the kind of imprudence of that. The, now, if you're under investigation, what is it going to look like if there's a one-on-one meeting? What could be construed? Who's going to be the third person who will say, well, no, the president didn't mean to say this? What if Comey turns on you? I don't. I think Comey right. is honorable and is probably reporting, you know, wrote down in the memo what he heard at the time. But that's kind of why you have your White House counsel or your chief of staff or someone else sitting in the room with you, right? It's extremely uh, – he, he doesn't think that way. And more strikingly, it's fine not to think that way on January 20th. You've never right. been in government. You've never been in the White House. It's sort of amazing not to think that way still four months later. That, to me, is the, the, the issue that nobody can help me climb my way around. Because I get why some people said, I want a president who talks the same way, you know, in a right. conference with the Russians off the record as he does on the, yeah, I want to, you know, why not have the transparent president? In fact, somebody at the Wall Street Journal, I'm trying to remember, I think maybe Henninger said that Trump should just basically do reality TV. He should have a camera with him, should be on all the time. And just, if that's how you're going to preside anyway, right. why not just do it? Then there'll be no filter. People can see for themselves what you said, et cetera. But that was the 20th, like you said, January 20th. He, He's had plenty of time now to, if not master the game, get better at the game. Is he not getting better because he can't or because he doesn't care? I think he doesn't care much. I think the people around him are not helping him, but maybe he doesn't want to listen to them. How would they? Yeah, but I mean, firing James Comey, I'm just going to say it was not a hard, it may have been, I think it was the wrong thing to do, but let's assume it was a, certainly was a legal thing for him to do, and let's assume maybe it was the right thing to do. Still, anyone competent would have said, okay, here's the reaction that's going to happen. Here's what you'll want to do ahead of time to be ready for it. You'll want to have a pick hopefully ready to go in a day or two. You want to have an explanation worked out that's true, but also can be defended by your attorney general, a deputy attorney general, or by your spokesman. And these are just basic mechanics. I mean, if you're going to fire someone prominent, especially an FBI director, and there's an FBI probe going on, here's how you minimize the fallout. The idea that they didn't, for me, that was really shocking. I mean, that is just astonishing that they don't, the White House staff don't have the clout to tell him, look, 
give us 48 hours here so we can just figure out what we're doing and also have a couple of private conversations so we can say we're considering three or four reputable people as successors. Now, then they've had this kind of chaotic, what, 48, 72 hours of interviewing people, I Is guess. That all? Yeah. Is it all Is it amazing? When was Comey fired? I can't remember now. <gasps> the end and, of last week. Right. And, and they've interviewed a few people, and now they're not going to get it resolved. Before mm-hmm. I guess before he goes on the, I think he's just taken off for his foreign trip as we speak. So that now hangs over the foreign trip. Who's going to be FBI director? Then we have the special counsel. I mean, ugh. so you ask the question: Why doesn't he have people around him who can correct him? Why doesn't he have an organization that can make up for his shortcomings? But as a brilliant writer just wrote recently, the fish, as they say, rots from the head first. And Donald J. Trump is the head of the executive branch. It's not that the U.S. government isn't beset by innumerable problems, but it, but. It in the here and now, Donald Trump is the problem. The president is the dysfun- dysfunction. You know, you know this gentleman, Bill Crystal. So why are you asking a question you've already answered? The reason he doesn't have them around him is that's not who he would have. That's no, not that's him. true. And it is it is background is running a privately held real estate business mm-hmm. that was all about him making deals, as he famously has said. I mean, a normal CEO coming into government would have some deficiencies in terms of what he would know about Washington and being in the public sector as opposed to the private sector. But actually, a normal CEO mm-hmm. has gone through situations where you fire someone in a delicate situation and you made sure you had a replacement ready right. so morale didn't collapse and you had HR and the council's office on board of how you were doing it, right? This isn't like rocket science. He seems to have not run his business that way. He didn't really have to, presumably. They had non-disclosure agreements with everyone, so he sort of that was the way they handled this negative fallout. Or the tapes. Or yeah, Right, or they tape people. <laughs> But no, he is who he is. He has the background right. he has. And I guess one so as you say, all of his fans, it's great. He should be who he is. Well, no, actually, when you become president, you shouldn't just be who you are. And you should change some. And for me, that is the most unnerving thing. I was never for Trump, obviously. But the fact that he's changed so little and seeming to internalize so little the notion that you just can't quite behave the way you behaved in the past. It's different from being a candidate. It's different from being a reality show star. It's different from being the head of the Trump organization. He doesn't think it's different. Uh, let's see. Maybe he'll. It's not working out so well for him yet, but as of now, but let's see. And what else is different, Bill? How I shave, because I'm a proud member of the Dollar Shave Club. Visit dollarshaveclub.com slash crystal, K-R-I-S-T-O-L. Why am I a member? Because it's a smart choice, because you get a great shave at a great price, because I like nice stuff and I'm cheap. And that's the deal. My wife, I was buying those like super, like you get them at the hotel, so cheap razors. And my wife, no, 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 no. So I had to go out and buy the other kind. And the cartridges, they're so expensive. I'm guessing they're made of like compressed caviar or something. Then I found Dollar Shave Club. My razor, my new Dollar Shave Club razor is right next to my old razor. And you cannot tell them apart until you look at the price. Also, I really like the Dr. Carver's shave butter. I never use that. I use the foamy stuff, the shave butter stuff. You can actually see your skin while you shave I find I do a better job. It also helps fight against stuff like razor bumps and ingrown hairs and stuff like that. So it is a winner, and it's the right price. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter for only $5 with free shipping. That's right, 5 bucks, and the shipping is free. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. And after your first month, replacement cartridges will ship automatically at their regular price. And if you decide that you don't like it, I can't imagine why, you can cancel anytime. There are no commitments. There are no hidden fees. There is no reason not to go right now to dollarshaveclub.com slash crystal. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash K-R-I-S-T-O-L.
Okay, so I did a podcast with uh, Matt Lewis, who writes for the Daily Beast and uh, is on CNN. And he and I come from similar backgrounds, evangelical families, rural areas, blue-collar dads. A lot of our family supported Donald Trump. And he asks, I think he asks the uh, Trump opponents a legitimate question. Why shouldn't the people who supported him, why not give them their vote? Because they have so little to lose. You know, you're, you, if you've got a white collar job and you're prospering in the, you know, the new economy, you're doing great. But if you've got, you're in a blue collar area that's, you know, beset by opioid addiction and problematic, you know, economics, et cetera, et cetera. Why not take a chance with this guy to shake things up? And if the only answer you get is, well, we just hate him and we think he can't be president and we're going to try to get rid of him. Aren't you in essence confirming the reason why they sent him there to Washington in the first place? Well, look, they won. He's president. They should be happy about that. I don't think all Trump voters are in those economic circumstances and stuff, sure. but some are, obviously. They should be happy about it, but then they should hold his feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Now, they should support him and be loyal to him and support him against his opponents if they want for a while. But at some point, they can't just support him to the degree that he can get away with not doing what he said he was going to do. What he said he was going to do was change things in Washington, not just be a sort of you know whirling dervish in the White House <laughs> of meetings and, and tweets mm-hmm. and not actually accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. So I have no problem with some of them giving uh, him more, being more patient than I am, I suppose. Um, but I, I think especially for the more these intellectual defenders, mm-hmm. I would say, they really are not doing him a favor by defending him against all this stuff. They are letting him go down a path that is going to be self-destructive. I mean, this is not going to work out the way he's doing it, I think. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I don't think it is. And if I were a friend of his, I would say, whoa, we've got to make some course corrections here. Not, hey, you're being unjustly attacked by all these snotty establishment <laughs> right. types. And you just keep on, the New York Times. Keep, uh, keep on saying it like it is, you know? Yeah, that's the uh, st- Paul Bedard of the Washington Examiner says that the sources in the White House are telling him that Trump has announced literally bleep the New York Times. We're not even going to send Sean Spicer out to engage. We're just going to have written statements. So go out and read them. Bleep all you people. Now, I don't think that's going to last for five minutes, but it does. I, I'm looking around for some. That's who can, okay. Let me just say, I okay. don't even have a problem with that. I mean, I don't, when I worked in the White House, the White House press briefing wasn't televised. So I don't think it's like a constitutional necessity that it be televised. There's no constitutional necessity there be such a briefing. That's sure. a pretty modern, you know, last 30, 40 years, 50 years right. innovation, I guess. But you do need to have a PR strategy. I mean, you can bleep the New York Times all you want, but you can't send your vice president and your spokesman out to say, uh, well, this is the president was just following the recommendation of the deputy attorney general and tell right. that to Republican members of Congress and to influential columnists and so forth. And then the next day, Trump just says, no, nah, I was going to do it anyway. I mean, you're going to pay a price for that with conservatives and Republicans, not with the New York Times. Uh, and yet, I don't see a lot of conservatives and Republicans stepping up to fight Donald Trump, because as another brilliant person observed in the Weekly Standard this week, they don't see an upside. The Republicans will hate you, and the Democrats will still vote against you. And so uh, you can say that it's time to listen to this clearing call of Bill Buckley and stand up, and right. you must act because it is the right to act. But, okay, act your way out of a House seat when yeah. people don't show up to support you. So I, I agree that's a big barrier to people really standing up against him. But I do think his, it has eroded his ability to marshal his troops. It's eroded his ability to say, hey, I need your vote on this. And you may not like this bill, but I just think going forward, if you're Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan, you have a tougher job with a president who's at 40% than at 50%, a tougher job with a president who's every day is these headlines and you're 
the congressman does not get does not get to go home and say, "Look at what we're accomplishing." The right. congressman goes home and takes twenty three straight questions about mm-hmm. Trump and Comey, Trump and Russia, Trump and this, Trump and that. Um, so he's not, as I say, I, I I agree that people who've been expecting this, you know, huge rebellion, right. that's a ways off. But I I think there's been an erosion of his clout in Washington. So what do you think when you see extended debates over, so what's the right way to get rid of Trump? 25th Amendment yeah, right. or, uh, or impeaching the guy? I mean, once again, not even 200 days. What, what Four is your months, reaction? 120 days. My reaction is, I mean, it's a little crazy. Uh, let's. The, neither of those things is going to happen, presumably, in the very near future. On the other hand, if you had told me, and I'm no Trump fan, even four months ago, there'll be a special counsel within four months. <laughs> I would have said, "How could that happen?" Right. I mean, yeah. so I suppose any, you know, really anything can happen. And and I do think this is the one point. It's it, we're beyond sort of spin. This is where the FBI investigation is serious. I was sort of in a way beyond spin and PR, and he's going to tell the New York Times to go jump in the lake, and Strawn Spicer's not doing a good job, and Melissa McCarthy's playing him on SNL and all this. I mean, this is a real investigation, and people are going to be under oath, and people are going to be, they're going to look at people's emails, and they're either going to discover things or they're not. Now, if they don't, incidentally, that could end up helping Trump. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, they were sloppy, they did this, but there's no fundamental problem. That would help him. To the degree they find problems, though, uh, that, that becomes, those are real things. That's not sort of a PR problem. And what's interesting is uh, you look at the news accounts, again, happened yesterday. People who have a, a, the ability to know, like Senator Feinstein, have you seen any evidence of collusion? And the answer is always no. Everyone says, no, I haven't seen it. No, nope, haven't seen everything yet. Lots more to look at, but it's always no, no, no. And you just wonder, is this going to be one of those situations where no one even remembers the phrase collusion in six months because right. while looking for it, they saw some something that led to Roger Stone, that led to a something, that led to Moscow, and then you're in, a, in, in tr- whatever Trump presidency there was going to be, just gone. Like it never even happened in the sense of leaving a mark on Washington, D.C. I mean, Ken Starr is a really decent and honorable man. He really did start off to investigate right. Whitewater and ended up with Paula Jones. And, you know, you could end up with Jared Kushner's sister's business trips to China in an investigation that starts out, or in Trump uh, saying certain things to Comey and then White House staff saying different things to White House staff, or, I mean, God knows what. So, um, these investigations are bad news. I think they should have gone to some. They had an FBI investigation anyway. I think he would have been better off with the current, with the previous FBI director just running it. Uh, the kind of constraints and pressure he might have been under in scrutiny than a special counsel who now comes in with sort of all the moral authority right. and I'm doing this for the country. And I mean, I like Bob, I don't know him at all, really, but I respect Bob Mueller, Robert Mueller. But I just think the natural tendency for him now is going to be not to err on the side of being forgiving of Trump, but to err on the side of going by the book. And I see a bit of a problem there. Let's mm-hmm. investigate that. Uh, now, hopefully this thing won't go on forever, because it is somewhat paralyzing of a White House, and it doesn't make it easier for him to achieve things legislatively or abroad. So let's wrap it up with this. You have, uh, because it's interesting, the, the parallel side to the pressure on Mueller towards Trump is the pressure on Mueller because he was a friend of Comey's, and so he has a long business with Comey. So it may actually, the, the competing interests may force him on the straight and narrow. But my question for you is, because so much of the problem is Trump generated. In other words, if Trump would just kept his mouth shut, we wouldn't even right. be here. Right. You know, it's just this. It's, 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 where's the evidence? No evidence of collusion. Just lots of dopiness from Trump. Since Trump causes the problem, can Trump fix the problem? Could Trump spend two months, three months getting back on track, or are we too late? I mean, we don't know what happened in the preceding four months or during the campaign. Right. But stipulating that there's nothing there exactly. that's impeachable or, you know, will lead to an unbelievable collapse of support. 
Um, if Trump changed, he could fix the problem. I mean, it's not he's at forty percent, but he's not at twenty percent. And you know, if he shook right. up his work, I do think the staff. I mean, the staff is a product of him, so this exactly. is a bit circular. But if he shook, if he changed himself and shook up the staff and had a staff <laughs> that could tell him, I just had lunch with someone who worked in the previous White House. I mean, the degree to which it is important. Every White House, the president, no one likes to be the bad news right. bearer to the president, and there's too much sucking up to the president, et cetera, et cetera. But nonetheless, the degree to which no one seems to be able to tell President Trump anything in this. White House is a real problem. It's a problem in any organization. It's a particular problem in this White House. And uh, that, I think, let's see if he really is serious, gets his chief of staff who's willing to say, Mr. President, we just can't do that here. And Mr. President, you've got to let the system work here for 48 hours and let your cabinet secretary take the lead on this and not you. Doesn't seem likely to me. I see your face. I'm I'm, I'm looking at Michael Graham's face, listeners, and Michael Graham is like, I've just said, if Donald Trump could fly to the moon, I mean, I think everything would be fine. The moon, the moon, the moon, the moon program would be going, would be doing great. Bill, if you get the job to be that chief of staff and you take the job, don't unpack. Don't I'll bring back. you. You'll leave, come in. Leave the, communications, leave the, communications director Michael Graham podcast from I'm the gonna, White House. I will leave the car Trump, running. Trump clear we with Donald Trump every Friday. We won't be there long enough to find out where the bathrooms are. <laughs> that is true. my message for you. Well, the good news is President Trump is leaving, getting away from the pressure of the White House. He's going to some place where he can't really cause any trouble. You know, the Middle East. I mean, President Trump with the Saudi Arabians, the Israelis, the head of the Palestinian territory. What could possibly go wrong? We'll discuss that next week. Next Friday, <laughs> we are already booked. Thank you. Thank you, Bill Crystal. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Daily Standard Podcast. You can find all our podcasts at weeklystandard.com or better still, just subscribe to them at iTunes or Google Play by searching Weekly Standard. When you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode of the Daily Standard, including our special features, the Confab every weekend and Crystal Clear every Friday. Plus, you can leave reviews of the podcast and let people know that you found content that you enjoy. Don't enjoy it? Have a question, comment, or complaint? Just email podcasts at weeklystandard.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.